0: Father Bane was a good priest who just wanted to do the right thing, until he witnessed murder, after murder, after murder. They left him for dead, and that's when things went to hell. You could have stopped him. (laughs) You could have saved us. (laughs) Well, I'm here to pass judgment on all of you, and I pronounce you damned! I hate each and every piece of human garbage, and I hate God! What about thou
1: shalt not kill? You
0: could have stopped this. You could have saved us. Some people say kill them all and the gods sort them out. Today I'm giving God the day off. I've needed a real man in my life for years.
1: Does the Lord forgive
0: my fucking sins? You say a police showed up, pulled a gun, killed the bouncers, and then I shot two fucking kids? Yes,
1: fuck, yes. <laughs> oh, <heavens. sighs> How
0: are you were supposed to forgive people? Forgiveness for some bullets for the rest no! holy hell i've never been as wet as i am right now
1: and here we are it's a spoiler room a special edition we are interviewing the director of a very fun wild outrageous film holy hell that's uh, on the festival circuit right now uh, i'd like to introduce ryan laplante how are you doing today sir
0: I'm doing great, and you got the name right, so we're off to a great start.
1: (laughs) I'm doing well. Usually, I I don't usually do too well with names, so uh, (laughs) the fact I got that right, uh, yeah, we're doing good all right so far. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you, and I always like doing this with the directors because I'm not really good at summarizing myself, but why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what Holy Hell is about?
0: Holy Hell. Okay, Holy Hell is uh, tasteless and offensive and the most hard R you can possibly find. Uh, It's been described as uh, Rocky Horror meets Pulp Fiction or uh, the greatest trauma movie that trauma never made. If I was gonna talk about the plot, it's the story of Father Augustus Bain, who's a good priest trying to do the right thing. uh, And then he witnesses a family get murdered, goes crazy, starts praying to a gun. He names the Lord and hunting down the people who killed his parishioners so i've got i've got to (laughs) ask
1: where'd the idea for this come from
0: it came from the strangest place so i was directing a production of the stage musical rent Mm -hmm. uh and i had a cast who were going through rehearsals it was all very emotionally honest and vulnerable and trying to help everybody find like be in touch with themselves uh and it opened and after going through that i just wanted to write the the most offensive horrible insensitive thing i could uh, and I, in like a flurry, wrote the first draft of Holy Hell in three days. Just like the moment it was done, I started writing.
1: <laughs> in only three days. Nice. Uh, yeah, and now uh, for influences, I've seen a lot of influences here with Holy Hell. Uh, what What did you pull from? Are you a big John Waters fan? Are you big uh, kind of the subversive type of films, the Grindhouse stuff? Or uh, uh, are you a big fan of those?
0: I've always loved subversive films. Uh, but interestingly enough, uh, I had not actually been aware of John Waters or Trauma when I wrote this. Uh, I became very aware of them after. And I'm <laughs> so much more fulfilled as a human now. Uh, but then I didn't know. I was a big fan of a lot of kind of Tarantino stuff. And I love Robert Rodriguez. And I mean, this is definitely falling into that same sort of like love letter to old grindhouse films that, you know, machete, death proof, um, that, that whole kind of range, even Hobo with a shotgun. Like there's just such a great realm of this kind of there's not even a term for it. I guess neo grindhouse or like grindhouse satire. Um so that was kind of what, what spun me for this project specifically, but I love films. I love eighties movies, specifically like bad action genre films are just delightful. So I, I steal from everywhere.
1: So so you've uh, obviously you probably have seen Kung Fury then? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, I have. An unforgettable cinematic experience. <laughs> yes.
1: And, and there's also a filmmaker came out. Uh, he's been doing similar films. I uh, uh, did Manborg. I don't know if you've caught Manborg at all, but uh,
0: I have been desperately waiting to watch Manborg. <laughs> I, I feel like it needs to be a special occasion with that title and that poster. Like you've got to set aside a night for Manborg. <laughs>
1: Now, uh, with Holy Hell, this was your first feature, uh, and had you done many shorts beforehand, or did you just kind of dive right in into making your first uh, feature film with this?
0: I jumped straight to feature. I'd never made a short. I haven't gone to film school. I hadn't done anything with anything. I'm just really stupid and start things right away. So, I mean, I'd watched a lot of films, and then i worked as an actor, so I worked on some you know, TV series and, and commercials and that kind of thing but this was just a huge leap. Like I read a lot and pulled together the best team I could. And then we all just kind of went out guns blazing, both metaphorically and literally. Um, but the thing I think we, I also knew is why we wanted to do this kind of like Neo grindhouse style comedy was there are certain things when it comes to budget or, or, you know, technical skill sets where we might not be, you know, the best, like we're going to do our best, but it's not going to be necessarily, you know, top tier in every category. So we decided, let's do something that lets us lean into it. Like I thought, let's play off of the things and make it all kind of fun choices. So I gave a list to people on our, anybody who joined the crew or the cast, and it was like 10 rules for our like grindhouse filmmaking. And one of them was, if we can't do it well, let's do it so poorly that it's clearly a joke. (laughs) (laughs) where where the villain is like unveiling a cross and in the script you know it's like a red velvet curtain over it and all this and then we got there we're like we don't have red velvet what do we have we had a selection and I was like teal sequence that's the answer right there that's the weirdest thing we can use are people like should we bring a chair into this room and I'm like no there's a broken toilet right there we're just using the broken toilet that's all I want
1: oh man the broken toilet (laughs) seat Yes, I like
0: to describe that in a non-spoilish fashion as just the world's most inappropriate, intimate moment.
1: Yes, <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's a good way to put it. I don't want to spoil too much either because there's just there's so much with it. Now, uh, you mentioned assembling the group of people. Had, uh, the people that you got together, were they people that you knew through theater and, and through uh, personal connections and that, that you pulled together for this?
0: Yeah, pretty much everybody, actually. Uh, most most of the offers for actors were made by me calling people I knew. Like, it was all offer only. We never had auditions. Uh, I wrote a few roles with people very specifically in mind. Uh, Michael Raleigh, who plays Doug McFarlane, our lead villain, who's also my co-producer, who I could not have done this without. He is the man. Um, nobody else can carry, like, ten minutes of James Bond dialogue at the end of a film quite like he can. But um, I wrote that role specifically for him. I didn't tell him that I wrote it for him. I didn't tell him about it. I just sort of invited him to a table read and had him read it. And then he wanted to play it. And I was like, yeah, got him. <laughs> um, and Alyssa, I've known, we went to university together. So we did theater together for years. Uh, and then she has been doing brilliantly well with, uh, you know, Berkshire County, a.k.a. Tormented. Uh, she's also in Slasher, the, the series that just came out. She's got a, a role in that. Like she's, and Bed of the Dead with Black Fawn. Uh, which is coming out, I think, later this year. She's also starring in that. So we caught her at the beginning. I'm really hoping she's <laughs> like the Jennifer Aniston to our leprechaun. Like, I just want her to go huge and just be <laughs> embarrassed by our film. It'll be great.
1: <laughs> but then people will seek it out when she makes it big. So there we you are, go. Our
0: poster, just like Leprechaun, it'll just be Alyssa's face. There won't be any. else <laughs> <laughs> the title, holy
1: hell, face. She did play that up well, though. I, I really liked uh, her character, how you wrote it. But every character in here was memorable. Uh, was it tough to write characters uh, so that they were unique? Because I've noticed in some Grindhouse uh, homage-type films, you, you kind of get a, the, the ball of bad guys, and they all kind of seem similar. But you really gave each villain, each member of the family, uh, if you will... Uh, very unique personalities. Did that take a while to uh, come up or a tweak? Or did the... Uh... Well, I
0: kind of off the top that I wanted them to be really different. Because, yeah, there's there's like the temptation and a lot of films do this, and it works really well. So don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking anybody no. else's. I love them. But yeah, it's kind of like where you have five characters and they all wear the same outfit. And then they show up and they're all the same person. And for me, I felt like the most twisted families that I know or the craziest like groups of friends I know they're all completely different they just have this weird dynamic that sort of somehow functions within it um, so I kind of had some archetypes that I kind of wanted to play within and then I got actors who I knew would bring even more to it so we had kind of like the crazy drag queen we had uh, the like vampirella like vampire seductress I wanted like a roid rage cokehead like frat boy and then that kind of, like, megalomaniacal, like, tyrant, gangster father. Uh, and then I brought in a great, like, our costume designer uh, is fantastic. Jill LaPlante, yes, related, still amazing. Um, but she came in, and then we kind of came up with themes for each of their outfits for, like, what we wanted. And, like, some of the fun stuff that we have, like, uh, Buddy, the Roy Rage guy's hats with all the names on them, like, that's her. She was like, I got a great idea for him. Or the, the longest one it took us to figure out was dokes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want him to have a mesh shirt on at all times. That was my requirement. Because Michael's a pretty ripped dude. But she came up with the, the necklaces, the earrings. And then kind of her big push was, what are we doing costume-wise? So I said, okay, let's, we'll do him theme costumes. Like, he's got his mesh shirt always. And then I was like, every costume should look like it's been taken from the set of a 70s porno. <laughs> like, I just want all of that. So if you watch, he's always in sort of a porno-ish theme outfit from the 70s.
1: But it is fitting for his character, though, so I will say that.
0: <laughs> he is a deeply pornographic man, that character. <laughs> he,
1: he is, he is. Uh, now, was it tough for you as well? Because you play the uh, the priest character in this. And was it tough for you to uh, be both acting and directing, especially with this being your first feature? Did you run into many challenges with that?
0: Um, Luckily, I had some really good people around me. There were some challenges on set because, I mean, trying to review takes were pretty funny. So half the time, if you see any scene where I'm like bleeding or on the ground, I I would end up glued to it because there would be so much blood. Uh, And so we would have to have somebody like stand over me holding a monitor for me to like, okay, let's roll it back. And then I'm like watching it and then they'd go put it away and we do other takes. But the nice thing about Father Bane is he's around a lot, but he doesn't say much. Like he just shows up, and it's like one-liners and, and like weirdness. Um, originally, I planned on playing a smaller role. I figured I'd probably play uh, Officer Blank or kind of one of the one of the supporting characters. But due to the nature of the shoot going over for so long and with so many people's schedules, uh, the only person I could guarantee would show up every day was me. <laughs> so I had to play that one. <laughs>
1: Uh, it, it works though especially the way uh the film opens how we get introduced to the uh the father now the for the father's church for the location uh, uh how did you pick that because it looked like it wasn't in the best of neighborhoods
0: yeah uh we had an actual town that was absolutely amazing uh called Kirkland Lake that gave us permission to shoot exteriors there just blanket anywhere we wanted so we kind of shot all our exteriors in the area and of course uh, we leaned towards areas that might be less flattering towards the town, but it is a beautiful place and everyone there is amazing. We had uh, like the most help in the world. Uh, and if you don't shoot the few places we were at from the exact angle we were on, I promise it's nice. Kirkland Lake, please don't be mad at me. I love all of you. <laughs> I love all of you and I know you can watch this. But, um, and then we ended up, uh, some of the interiors we ended up having to construct mm-hmm. because as it turns out with this script, Nobody wants you to shoot in their church. I don't. I don't know why. I, I have no idea why. Nobody wants you to shoot. It's you know erotic scenes in their church. So,
1: I, I, who who would have thought, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you have you have a showdown with a man named Diablo. I mean, that's perfect. Good against evil, right there. With I
0: know. I thought it was a beautiful message.
1: You know, with, with a rather uh, and,
0: and he's a, saved by the power of love. That's how I'm going to say that and not spoil it. <laughs> All of these puns and Uh, jokes make sense once you see the movie. I promise anybody listening to this. Oh, and
1: every time you mention it, it just brings back the scenes, which is great. Um, Was there any time, I have to ask, was there any time while you were writing this script where you said, "Uh, maybe that's going too far, or did you just let let it fly and let it go and just see where it went?
0: Generally speaking, I wrote it to be tasteless. So, I mean, I'd go back and rewrite and go like, what offensive thing haven't I included? And then try to add that in. But there's one scene. Uh, It is, uh, I would say, the familial intimate moment, uh, as we discussed earlier. Uh, That scene was not my idea originally. I did the table read and that uh, particular beat did not exist in the story. Uh, But then the actor playing Dokes, Michael Raleigh and uh, somebody else who was there uh, reading Sissy kind of sat down with me at the bar and they're like, you did everything else in the entire world and not this. You're wussing out. You have to write it. And it was kind of a combo thing where I was like, "Okay, hey, if that's going to be the challenge, I'm going to write it. We're going to put it in. But I'd also thought of something like that and never thought I could get actors to do it. Where I'm like, hey, how about we do this scene? There are actors are still people. I mean, none of us really have dignity, but like there are still lines people don't want to cross and they were willing to just skip over that one. So, and, and yeah, I guess there's one thing I didn't think I could get away with. And the actors bullied me into it. So just anything <laughs> possible in my sense.
1: I was going to say, was there a, a point where the actors kind of read the script and went, uh, no, I'm not doing that. or They're...
0: And there's one other, uh, my yes. DP read the whole script and loved it, but he made one requirement. Uh, There was originally a scene uh, where we put the baby in the microwave and it exploded. And I was a really big fan of that. I thought that was going to be hilarious. Um, But my DP said he was like, I'll shoot the whole movie. I'll put all this time into it. But you can't kill the baby in the microwave that I, I will not do that scene. Like my girlfriend will leave me. My family will disown me. We can't kill a baby in a microwave. Uh, so he agreed, and I, I stood by that and came up with a worse way to kill a baby that he regrets even more.
1: <laughs> well, fine. If I can't do my uh, homage to gremlins with baby in the microwave instead of a gremlin, do yeah, no, something worse.
0: We'll just do something worse. <laughs> As always, I think everybody regrets any moment where they said, no, nah, let's not do this, because there's always a more creatively terrible way to do the same thing. By the way, yes, a baby dies in this movie.
1: <laughs> I, well, because you cover the whole gambit, how long did it take you to shoot this film? Because uh, you, you were working on a limited budget, you said.
0: Yeah, it's true. Uh, we sort of shot the film over kind of eight or nine months, not straight up. Like it was like weekends. Because I mean, Alyssa shot two other features in the midst of this, and other people's availability was kind of bouncing in and out. So we ended up shooting a lot of kind of weekends or whenever people had time off. Uh, So we shot over that long, but it was probably the equivalent of a 22 or a 25-day shoot.
1: Wow, and uh, now did you uh, get all the funding through uh, Kickstarter or Indiegogo, or uh, did you get- Uh, we uh,
0: ran an Indiegogo campaign that I would describe as a medium success. Uh, (laughs) Otherwise, uh, production was funded uh, by myself and my co-producer, Michael Rawley, on credit cards and Insanity. Uh, but then towards the end, once we'd shot the whole feature, I mean, the trick was as a first time director, like nobody wants to get in at the beginning of that process because of how many first films fall apart or they aren't at the quality level that an investor would hope for. But once we'd shot the film and edited kind of a, a rough cut together, we could go to investors and say, here's what we have. Help us out with the, like come in for the post-production and we'll just make this like better. And at that point, uh, it was a really quick turnaround. We had some really great investors who were really excited about the project. Uh, and their only requirement was that I couldn't name them because the content's insane. <laughs> so, thank you, unnamed investors. You
1: did the best. Now, for your props for your guns, uh, where did you get those from? Because some of them look really good and uh, authentic, uh, especially the Lord.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Lord was, our, uh, was the majority of the gun budget. Yeah, Uh, it's interesting because in Canada we have really strict uh, replica laws for guns Mm -hmm. Uh, in the States I could have got anything I wanted but in Canada, it's actually uh, illegal You you have to have like the paperwork to be able to own the real gun to own a replica that looks like it.
1: Wow You
0: have to be cleared either way except if it is uh, a replica of something that was a weapon before like 1898 (laughs) It's the weirdest rule, but that's the rule. So there's a place called Denix Replicas. Uh, They make an 1876 cavalry revolver, uh, and we chase down the fanciest one. Uh, And that is the Lord. So it's had a little bit of kind of custom tweaking to it, but that's where we got it from. So you can either go and and get your own Lord there, or I'm sure we'll be selling them on our website for twice the amount uh, (laughs) when the film gets released. But uh, it's amazing. If you're watching any indie films from Canada, this is like a big thing that's kind of funny to notice almost every time somebody has a gun, it's a revolver and it's because they can get the, all the like cavalry and like old West revolvers are legal. So that's why every indie Canadian zombie film, everybody has revolvers.
1: I I was wondering about that. Uh, And it it seems like the Canadian uh, film scene really has blown up over the last five years or so, five, seven years uh have you experienced that have you met a lot of uh, filmmakers lately with doing the festivals in that uh from canada and
0: yeah there are actually a lot of, of canadian filmmakers and horror especially is having like a really big push right now in ontario toronto especially um so i'm seeing a lot of other people's films and kind of checking it out and chatting a little bit i mean it's an interesting thing our our feature is going to play i mean we've got We've played something like seven festivals so far, and we've got another five or six lined up, and uh, we're still waiting to hear back for more. We've had great success in the states, and we've had great success at like Vancouver, which is out there, but we are just, I think, a little too crazy for Toronto. We're waiting <laughs> to find our home at a festival here. Um, so I think it'll be maybe easier to collaborate with people once they've seen it. Sure. Otherwise, they watch the trailer and they're like, "You could just be insane." And I mean, I am. So once they see the movie, they'll know, but I, I, I'm excited for some of the collaboration. I've got some opportunities in subscription and development. I think some more projects moving forward, I will definitely be kind of branching out both here and in the States, hopefully.
1: So, uh, what, what is kind of some of your, uh, favorite horror films? Uh, you've mentioned that you like the, uh, grindhouse films and that, but are there any, uh, classic films or anything that, uh, influenced you as well, or that you enjoy?
0: Absolutely. I mean, and we've all got to go back to the stereotype, but The Exorcist is amazing. I mean, I <laughs> laughed an inappropriate amount when I saw it because I hadn't seen it until like three, four years ago. And everybody's like, it's the scariest thing ever. And I was howling with laughter at some of the dialogue. because so I was like, I can't believe anyone's made this movie. Like anybody showed some of this stuff on screen is mind boggling. But Hellraiser also, I'm a huge fan of. I, I like uh, the whole kind of twisted world and the mindset. I think Pinhead is such a great character with just... The really heightened dialogue, and then just the perverse mind that wrote that screenplay. Like, every one of those characters is a horrible sexual monster.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, everything Pinhead says is epic.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, and then the last line before that guy gets torn apart is like, Jesus wept. And I'm like, oh, beautifully heightened, heightened dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I love the first, the first Halloween the very, very first one where none of it's explained. And it's just that like creeping horror from the outside. Just fantastic.
1: Uh, Now you mentioned the voice with pinhead. You do a, a specific voice for your priest. Once he, uh, has his enlightenment and joins uh, the work of the lord what did you uh, use for your uh, you know inspiration for the voice in that was it the grindhouse films from like tarantino in that or
0: honestly i didn't think about the voice all that much i just felt like i wanted him to be like light and kind of cheerful off the top and then i just wanted him to be as like deadpan and one-note and humorless and like after, after, yeah, after he turns, my system was like, okay, I think I want him to have like three emotional states. Like I either want him to be furious or I want him to be confused. I, okay, two emotional states. <laughs> <laughs> furious or confused. That's about it. And there were days where it's like acting. I'd do more. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go on the editing room and I was like, oh, God, none of that. No, no. I don't want to see acting. No acting for this role. Just craziness.
1: So was it tough a bit because you did editing as well, editing uh, your own stuff? I know some uh, directors, this is a tight film, uh, you know, for the run length and that. But I know some directors have a little tougher time uh, trimming down some of their stuff. Was it kind of tough to cut some things out that you want to maybe keep in?
0: Uh, We never had to cut a scene. All the Mm -hmm. scenes are still there. Uh, We just kind of cut uh, around a couple of moments and just tweet some stuff just based on kind of what we got on the day. Because, I mean, a lot of these scenes would come down to we'd travel so many hours, we'd shoot for, you know, five or six or seven hours, and then we'd have to travel back. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I did, we did a lot of test screenings. We'd bring in, like, a group of 20 or 30 people, and we'd show them the film and have them fill out comment cards and go through what they liked and didn't like. And some of them would be people who knew the movie and were involved, and some of them would be people who had no idea whatsoever, where to would be like, Hey, can you ask your friend who doesn't like this kind of movie to come watch it? And then we'd recut based on the notes. And we had some some like editing consultants, I'm calling them, where I'd bring the film over and we'd sit with I'd sit with them and then we would cut it based on like their suggestions. So it was one of those things where if it had just been me, I think it would have been much harder and not as great, but doing that kind of collaborative thing, I think focus testing like that can be great if you then get to make all choices on changes yourself.
1: <laughs> and, uh, not a lot of films do that, so I'm impressed that uh, you, you you got some focus changes. And I think maybe, come on, you, you did it just a little, just to see those people who had n- no idea what the movie was about, just to see their reaction, right?
0: <laughs> oh, I very much enjoy that. Uh, we, I th- I think we've had a walkout in most of our screenings, depending on how many there are. And I sit in the back row of screenings because I like to watch people watch the movie. And I end up giggling maniacally when the audience <laughs> is uncomfortable. It, is, it makes me so happy.
1: Well, I, I think a number of filmmakers out there uh, don't take quite as many chances as they should uh, because everybody's worried about marketability. Uh, with it, but I, holy hell, I mean, I know so many people, uh, that saw it in Milwaukee who loved it, you know,
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, we ended up winning the Audience Choice Award at the festival, which was great.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, and I, I think. It definitely, especially now with the internet and that, you can find your audience, I think, a lot more than maybe you know, 10, 15 years ago when you didn't quite uh were able to get your exposure out there as much. People walking out, that's funny you mentioned the, the giggling, though, because uh, Green Inferno, have you seen Green Inferno at no, all? No, I'm so uh,
0: desperate to see it.
1: When Green Inferno was surprised me that it got wide release here because a film like that, wide release in mainstream theaters... You know, it's it's like no effects, but it's like holy hell being released widescreen to you know thousands of theaters. You just don't picture a film
0: like that. That Uh, would be a bad idea. I mean, I love it. I will be giggling maniacally for the rest of my life should that happen. But.
1: But I uh, giggled when Green Inferno, because I'm like, oh, great, a a Cabell film, wide release. So I actually drove to the theater that was showing it here, and my uh, friend and I went to see it. And I was giggling throughout all the gory scenes, and people were looking over at me like (laughs) I was so a twisted person. But uh, it's just the fact of seeing something like that and seeing a filmmaker do that. And I did the same thing while watching your film. I will say that uh, I giggled throughout. (laughs) Amazing. Good. You know, uh, and it's one of those things where it's that giggle where I shouldn't be laughing at this. I, I shouldn't be laughing at Yeah, you're but, a bad
0: person. Uh, I'm a bad person for making it, and all of us <laughs> in the audience are bad people. And that's it. We get to enjoy it together.
1: We do. Uh, so, where is it headed to now? Uh, where can uh, they possibly, what fests are they showing up or coming up next for uh, Holy Hell?
0: Yeah, we're playing at uh, the Horror Hotel, which is in Hudson, Ohio, coming up in June. Uh, Then July, we are in Vancouver, uh, Mm -hmm. British Columbia. Uh, We are at the Cinema Fantastique Festival there in early July, so that'll be fun. We are at the American Grindhouse Festival, which is in Texas at location undisclosed uh, in August. Once they let me know, I will happily let everyone know. Then we're in uh, Monrovia, California, which is uh, just outside L.A., in September and then we're in San Antonio, Texas at the San Antonio Horrific uh in October. And those are just the ones we know about so far because we have plenty more entries that we'll hear kind of closer to as things progress.
1: So you're doing kind of the States tour now,
0: huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. It is it has been great. I mean previously we've played Buffalo, Portland, uh Ohio, Milwaukee, Detroit. Like we've had a, a good kind of run as well. It's it's gonna be the year of the Lord, you know? <laughs>
1: the year of the lord that there needs to be a poster just the gun with the sunlight coming from the back and it says the year of the lord Ooh, uh, maybe a, a, t-shirt. <laughs> a t-shirt there you go it'd be a t-shirt and then you know TIFF, like you said, Toronto doesn't seem to uh, warm up to it yet. You should show it at TIFF. There you go. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. We applied to TIFF. I had, high, I had high hopes that were not very realistic. It was great.
1: <laughs> well, they, they do have a uh, a midnight showing screening, so you never know.
0: It's true. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we will, you know, pray. If the <laughs> Lord is with us, it could happen.
1: You, you could take the Lord to those people uh who uh, do the judging and bring the Lord to them and say,
0: (laughs) exactly. And then they'll find out if his words are kind or not. Yeah. Depends on how it goes. We've had some great, we've had some great responses from some kind of really big festivals where even if it's, if, if they're, you know, going to have to pass, we had one um, where they messaged us and were like, I just wanted to let you know, we don't normally send out personal messages, but your film scored the highest with half of our judges of any film and the lowest with the other half of our judges of any film. So your score wasn't high enough to screen, but you really should know, like, there's something here. Uh, there,
1: there, there is uh, something for everyone out there now. And, uh, yeah, Holy Hill surprised me. I didn't know too much about it uh, when they sending it to me for judging. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a unique film uh, that I think a lot of people should check out. So uh, I think we'll wrap it up here just real quick uh why don't you tell folks where they can find more information about holy hell uh on the interwebs
0: awesome yes please uh i mean we have our imdb you can look us up we're the 2015 version not 2016 that's a documentary (laughs) produced by jared leto uh we get a lot of tweets from people thinking we're them but we're not Uh, we've got our twitter account which is at holy hell film Uh, We're pretty active on there, so please tweet at us. We'll tweet at you. It's not just info about the film. We also do a lot of kind of joke stuff based around characters and other things, so we try to keep that entertaining. Uh, Or follow us on Facebook, which is great. I mean, do all of the above. But we're facebook.com slash holyhellthefilm. Mm -hmm. So you can track us down. We're very active on social media. I mean, myself, if you're looking for me, it's uh, at the Ryan LaPlante. Spell like the name. You can find it all those places. I'm not going to say my name spelling now. But uh, please, like, like, follow along. Like we're, we're really excited to kind of interact with people. If you're interested in a festival or you want to do a screening of something outrageous, shoot me a message. Like, it will be great. We're, we're, we're very enthusiastic about those things.
1: Now, are you still going to run the festival circuit for a while? Or are you looking for a distribution yet for it, or have you uh, not gone that far yet with it?
0: Uh, we're in talks with a couple of different distributors right now uh we're actually bouncing back and forth we kind of have had three that have expressed interest uh if there are any other distributors that they're interested uh shoot us an email message however you please dear god uh we'll always welcome more uh but we're going to do the festival circuit kind of for the rest of this year is our big push Uh, we really want to get out there we want to meet the fans and we want to give people opportunities to see it before you know it's, it's it's out there for for wild distribution
1: for wild distribution. That's a good Everybody way to put it.
0: Wild, so we'll just <laughs> with it. It
1: it is a wild film. Uh there's something to offend everyone there, I think. I uh, didn't
0: buy it and I made it.
1: <laughs> and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think uh I, I enjoy films that take risks. I really do. Uh and uh I was it, it was happy to see a film like yours take risks. I think we need more films like that out there and independent cinema seems to be uh, the place to come from, especially Canada.
0: Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we wanted to push the crazy. I think the other thing that I expressed for people who've heard all this like baby murder stuff, um, the movie itself is more, out, is more outrageous than cruel. Like our goal was never to make, cause there are like some mean movies where you watch it and you're like, Oh, these are bad people doing bad things. And there's like not a lot of fun. Like our point was, was like, it's offensive, but it's not actually about, like a whole it's not really a comment on religion like that's not it it's sort of a fun adventure set in all these like unacceptable joke territories but we're not trying it's a movie about a priest who shoots people in the face it's not you know citizen kane i don't have a secret underlying theme <laughs>
1: yeah it you could tell uh that the film doesn't take itself seriously and i think that's part of the appeal is that you know that and from talking to you today You know, you can tell you have fun, you're aware of what type of film you're making. And I think that helped all the actors as well, it seemed, feel more comfortable with it because you all know we're not trying to make a serious gory or serious offensive. We're we're just having fun. Uh, And I think that comes across on screen. Excellent.
0: That's what we hoped. (laughs) <laughs>
1: so, uh, Ryan, I think we'll just wrap it up here real quick. I, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to talk to us here in the Spoiler Room. Uh, we appreciate it. Seek it out, folks. Holy hell at the festival, hopefully near you soon. And uh, I'll put the information and links in the body of this interview. I hope you've enjoyed it, got a little insight and wetted your whistle for this outrageous, highly offensive film uh, that's just a whole lot of fun. So uh, thank you all, and uh, thank you, Ryan, for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me. Praise the Lord!